You're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with the most visionary humans on this earth in hopes that you'll be able to absorb their wisdom, avoid their failures, and feel less alone on the roller coaster ride that is entrepreneurship. This season, I'll be chatting with creative thinkers, masterful marketers, brick and mortar shop owners, brand builders, and people just like you who have a story to share or a vision that inspires. If I can share one quick secret with you before we get into the episode, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. You know, that spark that nudges us to pursue our full potential in this lifetime. But perhaps somewhere along the line, it got covered up. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to explore that inner voice and access the brilliance deep down inside of you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Fook. I just love saying their name. Today, I'm sitting down with Alex Wilson, who is the remarkable copywriter and marketing strategist at Fook Communications. Fook Communications is a branding and marketing studio based in Toronto and Edinburgh. They create original and captivating brand identities and bring them to life through compelling marketing. In this episode, Alex and I are geeking out on concepts like what you need to do to discover your brand identity, how to find your brand voice, what makes a good marketing strategy. We talk about brands that he admires as an expert in the field, why you should always own who you are, and we talk about so, so much more. Alex Wilson is super awesome, and his team responded to my creepy Instagram video message right away that I sent them a few months ago, introducing myself and sharing how awesome I thought they were. And big shout out to Mark St. Louis for putting Fook on my radar. Without further ado, let's talk branding with Alex from Fook Communications. You can follow them at fookcommunications.com, that's F-O-O-K, communications, or on Instagram. Instagram at Fookcom, F-O-O-K-C-O-M-M. And I'll see you on the other side of this episode to chat about some key takeaways from Alex Wilson. Again, Alex is the copywriter and marketing strategist at Fook Communications. So welcome to the show, Alex. All right, Alex, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I was actually introduced to you and your team in my very favorite way possible, and that is by a referral. So shout out to one of my clients, Mark. He actually stumbled upon your team's work. I don't know if there was a personal connection there or not, but he send, sent me an email saying, I really think you'd like what they're up to. And so naturally, I just kind of clicked through the link, and I'm always looking for interesting people or visionary entrepreneurs or creative thinkers to chat with. And as soon as I landed on Fuchs website, I just knew there was something different about what you guys have created. So anyways, right. I just wanted to share that. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for, for having me. I'm very excited. Awesome. So you and I are going to chat about branding today, uh, the behaviors it can drive, how to do it well, and maybe even some common mistakes that tend to be uh, made when it comes to branding. But before we dive into all of that, I'd actually love to rewind back a little bit. And I want to know a bit of what you were up to in the years before joining Fook. So if I'm For not sure. mistaken, did you study law in university? 
I did. Yeah, it was my first job was in marketing, so I had to explain that a few times in the interviews. Like, why, why, why do you have a degree in law and you're in, you're going for for marketing? But yeah, so I, I had a, uh, I did an undergraduate degree in law and then a master's in commercial law. Um, really enjoyed the studying and like the the the, the yeah the, the learning side of it. But then when it came to actually applying to to jobs, um, law firms would always ask you the same question, which is why do you want to work for us? Um, and the honest answer for ninety percent of people is money. Like, why do you want to work for a law, this law firm? You pay us a lot of money to do law, and yeah. I could. I, I found that I couldn't even make up an answer to these uh, these applications. Like, I couldn't even make up. You know, why do I? I don't. I don't really want to work for you. And so that was when I, I really realized that like my heart wasn't in law as a career. It was. It was great as an academic pursuit. Um, and then I, I started looking around at other things. Um, always been a little bit of a technology nerd, so I, I was looking into companies like um, like Fujitsu, Apple, Samsung, and Samsung were offering a, a marketing internship. And then that was the first time that I came across a job where I actually I felt something. I actually had like a real excitement to be like, "Wow, like this is perfect." Helping to sell technology, which I I love anyway. Um, obviously, a, a great company like Samsung. So I applied for that, and yeah, was fortunate enough to to work with them. I think that's so interesting and something that I want to just pause on for a sec is the fact that you actually listened to, you know, some people might call it their gut or their inner voice or just like listen to those thoughts in your brain that said, maybe you're not meant to follow your law degree. <laughs> yes. But so often, I know so many of the listeners of this podcast, they are working that job that they know they were never meant for it in the first place. Like they became a insert profession here, like a doctor or a lawyer or whatever the case is, because maybe somebody told them they should, or because they knew there was a lot of money. And then as soon as they get that first job, they know immediately, this isn't my path, but there's a lot of fear or shame or guilt in choosing a different course. So um, I know for not for everybody does it happen that you're like, okay, I'm gonna go search for something else. But I think it's also important to note that it's okay if you pivot from what you went to school for and for sure. you can find work outside of your degree sometimes. Yeah, and obviously no, no offense to, to lawyers out there. I'm sure there's, there's, <laughs> totally. plenty, there's, there's plenty of lawyers that love, that love the job. But um, yeah, for, it wasn't for me. And I think it was that real, there was a chasm between what I felt applying for a legal job and what I felt applying for the marketing intern in internship at Samsung. And I think you just couldn't ignore that. Like that really struck me just like, wow, okay. Yeah. I'm meant to be doing something different. So when you started your marketing internship, I'm curious, did you feel like you were a natural born marketer? Like, was it just like, yeah, I've found my true calling or did you have to learn the ropes and like really think, study it? Yeah, learn the road. I think it's easy to look in hindsight and be like, I knew what I was doing from the start. Um, but yeah, in hindsight, definitely. Uh, no, sorry. Um, like, yeah, looking back at um, uh, my time there, it was definitely I, I was guided by some incredible managers. Um, mm. And, and uh, there were people like seniors who really I didn't have any direct reports to, but really taught me a lot about like the fundamentals of, of branding. Like we would have, le uh, you know, meetings where we'd be talking about, um, you know, the, the, the brand gaps between us and competitors, like how we compared on brand levels, because we were really trying to prove like we have to start investing in it. You know, we, brand is a hugely important thing that's driving competitors forward. Um, so how can we do that? And there were really like lessons sitting in those meetings, like listening to really like high level European strategies on, on how we tackle brand. And I took a lot of education from that. Um, mm -hmm. 
and I, yeah, I think there was a lot of learning ropes. I, I think I had maybe uh, an intuition for it, but I could never have put that into any form of practice without the, the guidance. And yeah, I, mm -hmm. I had an incredible team around me at Samsung. That's awesome. And so how long did you stay at Samsung before you moved on? I know at some point you ended up launching your own social media yes. agency. So what happened in that time frame? So it was uh, two years or just over two years at Samsung. Um, so internship and then I, I took on um, a couple of other roles after, after the internship. Um, and then, um, yeah, the, before the, in, the interim between Samsung and Fook, I then started a social media app, which was like a photo sharing um, app. And the idea was being able to tell any story over any period of time versus things like Snapchat, which is 24 hours. And at the time, Instagram was only one photo at a time. Um, so we started that, that app and, and uh, a lot of work went into that. Marketing plans, built the app on iOS, launched it. Um, wow. And yeah, it was... Uh, tough to get traction. I think I really under, I run really underestimated and I learned a lot from, from sequence was what the, the app was called. And I learned a lot from, from that experience and, um, how sure you have to be about the market's appetite for something before launching into it. And I think I completely underestimated how inundated people's phones already were with, with social media apps. And if I'm honest with myself, was there ever really space for another one? Maybe not. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was in the interim. When that failed, uh, actually, I think I, I moved to Canada before it failed. So I was here while it failed. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I quit Samsung actually to move here. So I, um, I visited Canada with, uh, with a group of friends because uh, a friend of mine was getting married to a Canadian. So we all came over here for the wedding, uh, had like a two week holiday and I just fell in love with the country um, and decided I'll do a little bit more at Samsung, then quit my job, moved to Canada without much of a plan. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, then I think a few months into Canada, I packed in the app, the social media app, realized that wasn't gonna work. And I think Instagram introduced image carousels, which is like multiple image uploads. And at that point it was like, there's no point in even drawing this. Mm -hmm. So gave up on that and uh, did a little bit of, I guess, exploring of Canada before I, I stumbled into Fook. Amazing. Um, I'm curious, like looking back at that whole experience of starting an app and going through a lot of work, I'm sure, to get it to the place it was and then to recognize that maybe this isn't going to work or maybe I don't want to put the resources into making it work. Do you see that? You did use the word failure. Do you see it as a failure or in your mind, do you see those years as very formative to the person you've become today? Like, what is your take on, you know, closing that down? How yeah. do you see that time in your life? Completely formative. I think I think I call it a failure, but I don't say it with any degree of shame. Like okay. it, it, it failed and, and that's- That's, that's just the truth, right? Yeah. Like okay. it didn't succeed. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and so, yeah, I, I'm absolutely fine with saying it failed. And I, I learned a lot about growing a business. Uh, I learned a lot about um, the kind of, I think the, the, the research that needs to go into things, um, the, the way that you go about building a team. And funnily enough, that project, I think I got the fundamentals of branding completely wrong. Interesting. <laughs> and, and so yeah. I learned a lot the hard way about how to go around organically and, and honestly building a brand. Because I think on reflection, I was creating an app, not because I loved social media, but because I thought I could find another social media app to make. 
And so I realized that was completely the wrong motivation. I shouldn't be driven by that kind of um, calculation. It should be something that I actually I'm driven. I'm driven to do and I, that I love to do. And sequence was never that. And um, so I think I learned a lot about, you know, not trying to force things, I guess, and, and really, really pursuing things that you, you believe in, like that, that actually like your, your heart and soul is, is in there. And I was very motivated with sequence, but my soul was never in it because I was, I was, mm-hmm. I, I'm not in love with social media. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it was a, a lot of lessons, life lessons, business lessons. And There's you know what? I think we learn more from those periods of our life than we do from the successes. And For sure. it's not the sexiest thing to talk about because we want to talk uh, about people's like biggest wins and like <laughs> yeah. how they're succeeding. It's the trajectory's always been up. <laughs> always up, exactly. But like when we have these conversations on the podcast, like I always want to get into like, well, were there ever times when you weren't on a high and like <laughs> yeah. found your dream job? And there always is. Every entrepreneur, I know they could sit here with me for an hour and probably talk about more failure stories or stories when they're like, I didn't know what the heck I was doing than the success yeah. stories. And that's just the ratio, right? Like for every three failures you have, you have one success. And, yeah. you know, and it was, it was, you know, I remember the day that I called my brother because he was my business partner in the, in the app. And I called him and I was like, okay, I think this is it. Like, I think we have to draw a line under this. And it was devastating. I think I called my mum immediately afterwards and I just yeah. cried. Yeah. I put so much of myself into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you, you, yeah, you learn so much. And, and now I know that, you know, the amount of effort that I'm, been, I'm, putting, I'm putting into food, I never do it begrudgingly because I, I absolutely love what I do. And I think that was a huge lesson. It's like a labor of love is, it's genuinely labor, but it should genuinely be love as well. Mm-hmm. And I think a true characteristic of someone like you um, or other people who have that entrepreneurial spirit, it's resilience, right? It's knowing that that is not the end of you. Like it's getting back up again, whether you give yourself an hour or a year to sulk and be like, oh, this failed. But then saying, you know what? Like I got to keep going here. And like this just built tougher skin on me. So yeah, I think that's just like a core character trait that that we have to um, develop every day of our lives. Because if you're not resilient, like, you know, things are always changing in business and in life. And that is a skill that I think a lot of us pride ourselves on i like to think so (laughs) yeah so today you work for a company called fook communication so can you give us like a little brief overview of what you do and then like walk us through uh how you ended up part of this journey for sure um so food communications we're a we're a branding agency branding studio um branding and marketing agency i should say so so the, the crux of what we do is is creating brand identities um and then bringing those to life through through very rich and captivating marketing pieces. Um, so we, uh, you know, we, we believe very strongly that that branding should um, reflect the purpose of a business. Uh, it should tell the story, or it should be inspired by the story of a business, and it should be completely unique. Really, like every company has a unique story, so there's no reason why it shouldn't have a unique brand. Um, and so. Um, that's we 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 you know very very strongly believe in in the power of branding and um, and in creating uh, captivating captivating brands that really engage people and, and make people stop and notice. Um, so that's a little elevator pitch for Fook. And then in terms of how I got involved, so once Sequence was wrapped, um, I met Tia, who is now my business partner, um, through my housemate, and we were just 
friends to start with and we really clicked and that was it like we just kind of became really really close friends and we were just doing that for a few months um and i was kind of uh i i was jumping I, I kind of had some freelance roles and i was a dj in the city as well in cool. toronto for a while multi-talented well. yeah yeah <laughs> um so I was, I was just doing a little bit of everything it might my, my my priority at the time was more you know i've moved to canada i kind of want to explore and, and 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 have the freedom to explore so i wasn't really looking for like my next entrepreneurial pursuit or anything um and yeah then i met tia and i had a, a copywriting gig with um a real estate agent and we I won't name the real estate agent because um, I'm going to be slightly critical <laughs> of the reason we worked with them. They probably don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so we kind of, I, I, I was doing the copywriting. I spoke to Tia and, and he, he's a, a designer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like, okay, let's, let's look at this at more of a holistic level. Like the copywriting that I'm fixing desperately needs fixing. Like it, the way they talk at the moment sounds like they're scamming you. Like, like you're, you're meant to be buying huge investments and villas and it's capital letters like free discovery tour. And it's like, why are you telling me this? This is half a million dollars I'm spending. Um, so we thought, okay, let's break this down. We can get a proposal to, to these people that's much more than copywriting. And actually we say like, let's address the fundamentals of your marketing. So the first proposal that we, we created together and, and at the time, Michael, my other business partner and Tia had already set up food. And so they were already working together um, kind of as, as a freelance partnership. And so we then teamed up as a group and we're like, okay, let's, let's just create a proposal, see what they think. We can, we can offer them photography because Michael's our photographer and videographer. We can offer them photography, video content, social media management, um, and just see if we can sell them on a bit of a bigger boost. And, and they took it. And we then had a pretty long retainer with them where we then, Fook started to really start to form. You know, like we started building processes around how you actually serve a client we need a project manager an account manager like these kinds of things um and so then i started to fill the role of account managing as well as 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 writing and yeah we we really grew through that relationship with them and i always be very very grateful for the for the guy the marketing manager who ultimately gave us the the chance because he said at the time is that i could go for someone who i i i know i could go for someone that has you know, a track record, Google reviews at the very least. Um, and he gave us a chance and I'll always be really, really grateful to him for, for doing that. And, uh, you know, we, we had a great relationship over, I think a, a period of maybe a year. It gave us the time to really build out who Fook was, like, what are we good at? Um, um, what is it that we're offering? Build our own processes. Um, and yeah, so then then that's that's how I got involved with Fook. So yeah, initially founded by by Michael and Tia as just two mm-hmm. freelancers trying to help each other out see if they can if they make a partnership they can you know create like mutual work and then just pure luck i met tia and uh the rest is history as they say that's amazing and so would you say the core of what fook focuses on is brand identity is that kind of like the yes because yeah. i think i think you know the, the dream client for us is always address the branding first if the branding needs to be addressed so obviously we'll be very honest if someone has great branding we're not going to try and sell them a new brand so if they have you know address the, the core uh, which is branding and then everything else grows from that so obviously we do videography graphic design photography web development but for us the brand is the foundation and if we can get working on the branding and then we bring that brand to life in videography photography web development every graphic design asset print design digital marketing mm-hmm. it just makes that a much more holistic identity and so that's mm-hmm. why we focus on the brand identity as the main piece because it's like if we address it you know 
we'll make a video for you. Obviously, we, we, we can make videos for clients and, and everything like this. But if someone comes to us and says, hey, you know, you know we're, we're looking for marketing help and we're just creating print materials that we don't believe in because the fundamental brand isn't isn't um, isn't right, mm-hmm. then we don't feel like we're adding much value to someone. And it's it's a it's too piecemeal, you know. If you're making like a piece of print material at a time, it's like, but what's tying all of these pieces together? What what makes this you know campaign or, or whatever it is that we're working together on? So yeah, that's why we, we really focus on branding because that's we see it as the you know, the absolute foundation to every piece of communication that comes from you. Yeah, so I want to kind of unpack that a little bit because I'm sure a lot of the listeners, the words brand identity, um, you know, they mm-hmm. don't necessarily know what that is. So say I am a nutritionist and I'm just really good at what I do. So I'm like, I don't need all these fancy brand identities and all this consistency. Like, why can't I just deliver a good product? Like, why do we need a brand identity as a business? A quick word from our premier sponsor of the Visionary Life podcast, and that is Healthy Planet. If you are a health nut like me, you're going to love that you can save money on the brands you already purchased by ordering online from Healthy Planet. They love our visionary community and want to support all of us in living our best lives. So you can shop at Healthy Planet entirely online and products will be dropped at your doorstep within just a few days. It's so easy, so convenient, and that gives you no excuse to say it's really hard to eat healthy because it's not. So treat your body, your mind, and your business with the fuel it deserves from Healthy Planet. You can shop by department, dietary need, or even just check out the sale rack. It's such an efficient way to ensure you're stocked up on all your favorite health goods all of the time. Use code VISIONARY10 at checkout to save on your Healthy Planet order. That's VISIONARY10 at checkout. For sure. So I think that's a, that's a really um, a kind of a good time to distinguish between a brand and branding or a brand identity. So yeah. if you're really, really good at what you do, the good news is you have a brand anyway. Like whether you invest in marketing or not, you always have a brand. So if you're great at what you do, your brand is part of that. Your brand is whatever people, whatever experience people have with you, how they perceive your company, how they feel when they interact with your company, that's your brand. It really, it really encompasses everything that, that um, a, a, a customer, every experience that a customer has with you and, and yeah, those feelings that they have. Um, so if you're great at what you do, you have that brand. You have a brand that is a reputation for being great at what you do. Branding is taking that experience that feeling that people have with you, the story of your business, the purpose of your business and visualizing it. Um, so you can, you can dictate or shape the story that people relate to your business. So, you know, if you, if you don't invest in branding, really other people are telling the story for you. If you do invest in a brand identity, you're telling the world how to perceive you. And if you're just exceptional at what you do, that's great. But there is almost a limit to your awareness if you're just exceptional at what you do. You'll have referrals, you'll have word of mouth, but what about the people who just stumble across your website or the people who, you know, they, they just happen to interact with your brand? If, if, you're, if you haven't invested in branding intentionally and you're, you're starting from zero with a customer, a customer who has no idea who you are and doesn't know that your service is exceptional, what do you have to show them that, that you are trustworthy and credible? And that's where branding comes in. Because that means any someone who has absolutely no idea who you are, you can already elevate how they perceive you and come across with trustworthiness, credibility, and legitimacy. Um, because if you sh- you, know, you show the world that you care about how you how the world sees you and you care about your image, that means that you care about the work that you do. 
And so you get to control the first impression that someone has when they come to you. Um, so that's, that's really the strength is, is controlling the story and shaping the story around your business, telling people what to think of you, I, you know, in, in a way. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, really, really, uh, using branding to, to make that first impression immensely positive. Yeah. And I think we probably all have this like subconscious buying pattern. Like say we go into the, the drugstore. Um, it's like, why did you choose the Tylenol versus the store yeah. created brand? And it's probably because Tylenol has all this branding behind yeah. it. And it tells you to be that they are the trustworthy brand. And yeah. so I'm sure as consumers, like we could all sit back and go, why did I buy that thing over there in my house yeah, or that? And, and it could be because of the way they've branded yeah. themselves. And it's right? so much, so much of it is incredibly subconscious. You don't think that's a great packaging. I'm going to buy it. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you, well, maybe we do, <laughs> yeah. but sometimes you see something and you're like, yeah, that looks great. But a lot of the time brand operates very, or branding operates on a very um, intangible level and, and, and like quite a subconscious level. And, um, yeah, like when you go in and as you say, like you go for something that, that has branding that you're familiar with, you know, it's, it's, that's where branding has a great role in building customer relationships. Because if you talk the same way all the time as a business or as a brand, you always say the same things, you present yourself the same way, people can build a relationship with you because you're consistent. Mm -hmm. It's like a person, you, you probably wouldn't be friends with someone who changed every day. <laughs> You'd yeah. be like, who is this person? So brands are the same thing. If you create a single unified identity around a business, people start to relate to it. They start to get to know it. And that's they build relationships with you. That's why people love brands like Apple, because they build a relationship. Because Apple talks the same way. They present themselves the same way. They're just a single unified identity that, that people fall in love with. And that, that's what branding really does. It just it creates that identity that people build relationships with and, and then have the sense of loyalty towards and and all those lovely things. I heard this quote uh, a couple of years ago that's always resonated with me and it just said, consistency and frequency breed trust. And literally like a secret to business is just be consistent and be frequent in the yeah. amount that you show up, right? And naturally people start to trust that brand more than the person who just like, pops in once in a while and is in one mood and then comes, you know, on yeah. Instagram stories the next day and isn't totally like, that's not consistent and it's not frequent. And so I think and they you remember know, you, you know, like it, it, there's so many, we're bombarded with so many brands every day that yeah. if you want to stick, you need to say the same things. You need to come across the same way. Otherwise you just won't be remembered. People see too much advertising to, they don't have the bandwidth to remember everybody. So if you can, mm -hmm. if you can be consistent, clear, concise, and, and seek to actually engage people with marketing, you, you could, you'll, you'll cut through a lot easier. I think that's, that's one of the things as well is that, that we see marketing really as um, something people should engage with, not something they should be subjected to. And I think a lot of brands subject people to marketing. They shout mm -hmm. at you. They just scream and hope you listen. That's, that's not going to work a lot of the time. You need to have a conversation with someone. You need to make people react, like present them with, you know, if it, even if it's funny, if it makes them think, if it, if it's just a very succinct phrasing of something that they go, ah, that just that simple, like, oh, I get it. That's enough. You've engaged someone, you, you, you know, you've been registered. And I think that's, you know, that's what we mean by, you know, um, marketing should, should engage and, and, and mm -hmm. you know, not be something you subject people to. I love that. And yeah, you mentioned like we as consumers are 
uh, bombarded with messaging, like literally from the moment we step out of our house to the moment we turn on our TV, we scroll our phones. Like there are marketing messages coming at us from every way, shape and form. Uh, So, you know, from some, for somebody who's thinking like, how could I possibly ever make a, a brand or a marketing message that stands out? I know you, you just mentioned like, make it engaging, make them think, is that what we need to do when we're thinking about how to make our brand stand out? Like, what are the secrets to actually capturing someone's attention? I think um, it sounds incredibly obvious, but so many brands fail at this is talking like a human does is a really big one. Um, the, the issue with a lot of brands, you see it in a lot of B2B brands particularly, but it's, it's not, not at all limited to B2B, is people will decorate their messages with unnecessary words, like overly long words. Um, they'll try and tell you too much about their business in a billboard when you really don't have the time to take in that message. Um, so talking like a human is a really big one. Just talk like people do. Don't, don't try and make yourself sound more impressive than you need to. Just, just say things simply, clearly, and as succinctly as possible. Don't add words in that don't need to be there. Don't talk about you know, every single USP that your business has. So just keeping things focused talking like a person will because that's you know that's how we exchange ideas that's how businesses exchange ideas it's how people exchange ideas is is talking like people do it sounds incredibly obvious but i think keeping it simple really is is the key it's such a good point because i think uh especially a lot of the students and clients that are um in my community and going through the visionary method, they think that they are not a marketer. They're like, I just don't have the right voice or I just, you know, I don't have ideas. I don't know how to connect with my customers. And I'm like, you know, sometimes you just have to be yourself and Mm -hmm. pretend like you're talking to another human being rather than typing on your computer because humans connect with humans, not with inanimate objects or with like robotic sentences. So sometimes it's as simple as like, remember, there's another person who's going to be receiving this message. Exactly. Talk to them like they matter. Talk to them like you're excited about your product. And you know, it's not like the most revolutionary copywriting secret, but it's certainly <laughs> a good place to start. Yeah, it right? really is. And I think, you, you know, you, you mentioned that people being like, you know, do you just be yourself? The answer is yes. Like authenticity is everything. Part of talking as humans do is being authentic and being trustworthy. And it you, just be, you know, being honest is a very big part of, of communication. Um, being authentic, as I say, and, and keeping it simple. You know, I think um, you don't need to say more than you need to say. Um, If you can fit what you do into just a few words or the thing that you're trying to sell, just land it in a few words succinctly. It always has more impact that way. Um, And it's, you know, with that simplicity, I think comes an openness. It's like, there's nothing to hide here. You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. this is what we do. And I think there's a real, yeah, there's a real strength in, in just keeping it simple, authentic and human. Sounds very so, obvious. But. So good. And I love that you mentioned, I think in an episode of Fook Live, that every word should have a purpose or be deliberate, right? And I think that as business owners, as entrepreneurs and marketers of our own businesses, it's a really good challenge to us to actually like read through our own print materials or our own website or sales pages and ask like, does every word have a purpose here? Or yeah. am I literally word vomiting on my dream clients and then they end up confused because every word doesn't have a purpose and there's just a lot of filler yeah that's i think there is a real temptation to fill as well because it's like 
you know, I, I can't read the minds of, of the businesses and, and the people that write like this, but it's like, is it is it trying to sound more intelligent? You know, is, is it trying to, um, I don't know, it's it's a lot of talking for the sake of talking, I think. And yeah, it is, it is just like focus and, and be very deliberate in the words that you use. You know, yeah, ask, go through the things that you're talking about. Like ask, like, does this word need to be here? Is it supporting the message? Or am I decorating my message in the hope that it will make it appear smarter or, or, or more impressive or whatever that may be um because the answer is you know it probably isn't making you appear appear that way it's it's weighing down what you're trying to say just cut through what you're trying to say get the message out be very purposeful with the words that you use and it's not just you know it's not even just writing it's that that applies to the entire branding process so like with with photography videography design and and you know so imagery writing and design everything has to have a purpose you know like design tier would say exactly the same thing don't decorate like don't add design elements that don't need to be there every design element needs to serve the message that you're trying um that you're trying to communicate and um very it's very much a holistic approach and, and yeah the writing should serve the design the design should serve the writing and and nothing should should add more than than needs to be there Alex, how did you become a great copywriter? Because it's not really something you can go to school for. I'm sure there are courses and you can become an author or, you know, start writing as a hobby. But like, where did you build your copywriting skills? Because that is an area that so many business owners that I chat with, they just feel like I'm not good at this. I'll never be a good copywriter. Yeah. Um, it's really evolved over time. Like I think the law degree has actually turned out to be quite helpful in the end because I think there's some insane stat like your vocab vocabulary increases between like 25 and 50 percent when you study a law degree. What? Most most of that is by having you know words like um, you know have your employee and employer. There's lots of e's and ers in, yeah. in law, so a lot of it is just is filler. But I think that was where I really started to gain much more of a confidence with with the English language and and. Um, yeah, a lot more confidence and a lot more understanding. And mm -hmm. then I think as I as I started working with Tia and actually treating it as something like a creative pursuit, I really, I started becoming kind of obsessed with language and like, why is it that some messages are working and some don't? And, you know, reading, you know, be, being inspired by how the best brands, you know, make me notice them and, and you know, take that moment when you when you read something that's made you notice it and remember it, be like, why did that make me remember that? Um, and often the answer is that they said it incredibly simply. Um, so it's been, yeah, it's, it's not like I did. Yeah, I didn't, I, there was no courses. I didn't, I didn't go to university for this. It's just something that I think I, I, I started to become very confident with and then completely changed the way I was viewing language. And actually it's, it's something now that, as I say, obsessed with, I love it. And mm. it's absolutely, it's so central to how a brand talk. It's, it's how a brand is, is perceived, you know, it's how a brand gets to speak to people with language. And it's, it's the one thing that unites everybody. And we can, we can all, um, we can all understand, uh, you know, a visual communication. And so, yeah, really understanding what makes people tick when they read messages. And, and yeah, it was just a, a kind of a fascination that kind of grew over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know for me, like I've learned copywriting, um, by, studying life basically like yeah 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 if i am driving in toronto and i see a billboard and i read it and i'm captivated by it 
I'm not thinking I want to buy that product. I'm thinking, why did I just yeah. read that? Yeah. And why have they think, made me want to buy that product? <laughs> exactly. And like a lot of understanding marketing and becoming a good copywriter or, you know, in your guys case, like becoming great at branding is probably just being out in the real world and asking yourself, like, why does that uh, poster over there like totally repel me and I'm never going to read? I don't even yeah. care what the brand is. And why does that billboard over there totally captivate me? And I'm probably going to go to the grocery store and buy that pop later. Yeah. Right. And it's just experiential learning. Um, yeah, it really is. And, you know, I don't think there's necessarily a magic formula. Of course, people have written books and there's a lot of um, you know, copywriting gurus in the marketing world that I've kind of studied with, but at the same time, a lot of it is self-teaching. Mm. Yeah, and the, you know, the, the, of course, there are there are great copywriting books that I think just really articulate what we f we already feel about what good writing is. Um, right. So that they're, they're very useful in kind of articulating those points. But yeah, as you say, it's 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 walking past adverts and, and thinking, why did that work? And you know, if I, you know, if I'm walking around with tea, it can be quite annoying sometimes because <laughs> we're just pointing out bits of advertising. And you know, like we, were, I think we, um, we, when we worked with that that um, that real estate agent, we ended up um, flying out to to the to the development and doing like a load of photography and stuff. And we mm -hmm. were driving around, and there were billboards that were trying to explain to you why you should buy it in this development. And it was like a stack of text, and it's like. How are you expecting anyone to, you can't even read the distance away, you know, like you, you're trying to say three different things, like the yeah. prices, why you should choose us and where it's located. Choose one. Like I, what, what happens in the end is you drive past that billboard and you gloss over the entire thing because you've just, you've lost someone from the very first moment. And it's, yeah, exactly. As you say, it's that kind of just kind of breaking apart and, and, and unraveling what it is that's making adverts work on you. And, and similarly, what it is that makes you gloss over them and, and kind of critically analyzing those ones. And like, like why, are you, why are you trying to say so much, you know? Yeah. Those kinds of yeah, and I think that's, um, it's kind of just like a lack of putting yourself in your customer's shoes, right? Like, uh, I think one of the things you said earlier was like, it, it, you have to think like the person who's going to be reading this, right? Yeah, like, for sure. yes, you're the expert or whoever's listening to this podcast. Like you want to write in whatever way you do, but you're not the target client. Like you have yeah. to put on that hat and say, what do my dream clients want to read and how much capacity do they have and how many calls to action can they actually absorb yeah. if they're walking around and quick glance at a poster, right? So it's yeah. not about us, but it's really about understanding that avatar or dream client, whatever yeah. you call it, knowing them really, really well before you even start to try and write anything. Yeah. For and them. I think maybe that's, that's part of why people, why some companies say too much. Maybe it's a bit self-indulgent. Maybe it's like, this is how great we are. And it's like, never mind how great you are. Like, what is it the other person wants to know about you? And mm -hmm. so, you know, we, we were creating um, some some print ads for uh, a co-working client in, in Toronto. And um, we were creating the kind of signage outside that would indicate that these were co-working locations. And we were thinking, yeah. okay, what message can you read at 20 meters? What message can you read at 10 meters? What message can you read at five meters? So you're not throwing every, you know, the whole sign at someone at five meters out but you've given them at 20 meters, take the, the first message in of 10 meters, they can take the next bit. And then at the final bit, they see the website. And it's like, that's the kind of thing you have to walk yourself through. It's like, would I care to read all of this in the time that I have, have to read it if I was the customer or potential customer? 
I didn't even really think about that in terms of like the different sizing of yeah, fonts, yeah. right? It's like the 20 meter, 10 meter, five meter. So that's like, just draw them in a bit, give them a bit of the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like the fishing yeah, like, analogy, yeah. like you're reeling them in. And then at exactly. the end, the fish is hanging there, which is the website or the Instagram. Is that the um, billboard that said, if you're paying for coffee, I feel bad for oh, you, no, son? That, that was a, that was a same company, but um, okay. it was a, a different advert. Yeah, that was the, um, that was so when we were working with with these these guys flex day um we were they have a lot of incredible like usps and, and parts of what makes them a really innovative and disruptive co-working um company yeah. um so there's a lot of stuff we could talk about but we thought okay let's distill the idea of affordability and accessibility into something very understandable and very simple and so we wanted to just lead with the idea that you get free coffee and it's already a cheap very affordable um you know co-working service anyway and so we we really wanted to play on that price point but on on a in a way that would resonate so we're like okay if you're paying for if you're paying for coffee i feel bad for you son and package it in a way that's a cultural reference that their target audience which is largely millennials would right. you know mostly understand surely there'll be there will be people that, that maybe haven't heard the the lyric but um engage them in a way that because they see something familiar and they get the joke, you know, then they feel like they're in on something. And at the same time, you're telling them you get free coffee with this service. And when they've read the the, the big headline, which was that lyric, the second, yeah. like the, the payoff was how much it costs per month for their service. So it's like, by the time they've engaged and thought that's, that's funny, they're yeah. reading the second part. So you've got them. It's so cool because um, we're always told in marketing, like you're not trying to talk to everyone. You're trying to talk to, you know, a small subset of people yes. who actually are your dream clients. And I think that's exactly what you've done here. You're like, not everybody's going to get that reference, but the people who do, they're going to be like, oh, this company gets me. Right. And they feel included. Yeah. They feel part of the club already. Yeah, and all the they've joke. done is yeah. read a, a poster. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. Very cool. Um, I'm curious from your perspective as an expert marketer and copywriter, like what are some brands that you admire brands that you see doing branding really, really well? Um, I, th there's, there's a few, um, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll pick them out, I think for, for different reasons. So, um, firstly, there was something that struck me very recently about WeTransfer. So WeTransfer, I don't know how familiar everybody is with it, but it's a, very, very simple file transfer system um, where you can send like huge files for free. Um, it's a very simple website, drag and drop, select the email address that you send it to and, and off it goes. So very simple service, um, but something that I've used for years that we've used as a business for years and that a lot of creatives use. And it's a really great example of a brand communicating their purpose and carrying their brand experience through absolutely every part of their marketing. So the core of WeTransfer is helping creatives and helping the creative process. A lot of creative people use the service to send, you know, massive PDFs, um, InDesign files, you know, really, really big creative pieces. And so they know, they know that that audience is driven by creatives and they own that creativity is at the core. And so, um, when you go onto their website, they're always sharing some creation in the background and promoting an artist or promoting a designer. And they did a really beautiful out of home campaign with um, these big billboards. And they had two iterations. The first iteration was a big email box that just had the email back and forth between them and a creative saying, we're trying to run an out of home campaign. 
can you send us some um, some assets for us to use? And it was just that on a huge billboard. They then switched the billboard out for the asset that they sent them. And so they celebrate the creative process in their marketing, like creativity, the creative process and creatives is that's who they love. And they own the entire thing. It runs through the, the entire business. And I think that focus on their purpose is something that I love about what we, we transfer do. Um, Ikea. Ikea is another one that I'm a fan of. Um, similar reason, they really own who they are. I think there's a real, um, there's a tendency with a lot of businesses, and I think it's even, it's considered best practice to heavily localize your business when you move to other um, regions. But Ikea are fiercely proud of being Swedish and Scandinavians, so much so that it doesn't matter if you're there in North America, in France, in Sweden, they use Scandinavian names for their products. And they don't, they don't care if you don't understand it. That's not the point. It's just, it's, that's their identity. You know, it's not about understanding. It's about owning who they are and having a real honesty and sincerity and authenticity through owning who they are. And so they don't water down that celebration of Swedishness in, in foreign markets. It is who they are and, and they stay true to that. Um, and so IKEA is a, a really good example of just, of just owning their story, I think, and, 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 and doing that the world over. Um, I think uh, a couple more maybe more obvious ones, um, Nike or Nike. I'm in North America now. <laughs> I know. It's like, but people pronounce it both ways, even in North America. Oh yeah. America. In, in Canada. I've heard people, I don't know if it's because they, you know, come from other places, but you know, there's a still okay. a small subset of people that say Nike. I'll go for, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll stick. I'm going to go with Nike. <laughs> um, we so, won't hold it against you. <laughs> I might slip up. Um, but what I love about Nike is that they are incredibly aspirational. So the reality of Nike customer buying groups is average Joe going for a job. That's, you know, that's, you know, you buy Nike Airs, it's just your average person who's buying Nike Airs to go for a run or just, you know, a nice, a nice pair of like um, casual shoes. So that's, that's the reality of the buying situation. That is not at all reflected in their marketing. If you look at their brand, it's, ath it's athletes, it's elite yeah. performance, it's, mm -hmm. it's people at the very top of their game. And that's how they drive their, their image. They paint this image of athletic prowess yeah. and they let customers dream. They let people see a more aspirational version of themselves in those adverts. They don't show just any old person running around a, a track. Actually, I think they have done that a couple of times. Yeah. But the bulk of their brand is driven by athletic prowess. And so I love the aspiration in that and, and how fiercely aspirational they are. And um, a big part of that, and I think this is universally true, is that you should always talk up to your audience, never down to them. And Nike talk up to their audience. And I think that's a, a really clear example of a company who, who does that. Can you um, explain that a little further? Because um, I've heard you say that a couple times mm. to speak up to your audience, not down to them. Mm. Uh, can you crack that open a little bit? Because I've never heard that before. I kind of get what you mean, but I'd love for you to unpack it. I think it's, it's you know, even even the flex example is 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 a good one. Relying on the person to get it just having the faith that they, they will get what you're saying, not trying to be like, oh, like maybe, maybe they won't understand this. Maybe it's a bit too nuanced. Like, no, like if, if you have confidence that something will land, have confidence that people understand. Okay. And I think um, it's, that, that's, that's really what I mean is like, don't, don't worry about dumbing anything down. You don't have to talk right. to people as if they're idiots. Don't patronize them. Don't try and be like, okay, what we do is quite complex. So, 
we'll we'll yes. really bring this down. Like I say, speak simply, but I don't mean that in a dumb things down for people. I mean like speak succinctly, not not in simple terms necessarily. Yeah. And so that's what I mean by that is is have faith that your audience will understand what you're saying and speak up to them in that way. Don't patronize because you know people don't like being patronized and they can tell when mm-hmm. they are being patronized. So that that's kind of what what I mean when I say that. Is that yeah, that no, it's such up? a good tip. I, I'm going to reflect on that oh, okay, uh, a little cool. bit more. But yeah, I think that's uh, something that, you know, we could be reminded of, especially I'm thinking I work with a lot of nutritionists and yoga uh, teachers and people in the health space. And sometimes I'll read their posts and I'm like, you know, people aren't stupid. Like they know they should be eating healthy or they know they should be fit. Like instead, just inspire them to like reach yeah, that exactly, next level exactly. rather than being like, shame on you yeah. for not drinking you know, enough water. salad is healthier than a burger. Yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's like, you know, you don't need to reinforce the obvious. Like they yeah. get it and they don't want to feel guilty before they've even read your message or feel yeah. sad or feel shame. And that's so. the thing, you know, and then, you know, with, with say that, that lyric that we use, it's like, there's then no shame if someone doesn't get it. Yeah, exactly. They probably well, just no, read it and they're like, oh, free coffee, feel bad yeah, for son. Yeah. Like, I don't really get what okay. they mean, but it still caught my attention. It's still free coffee. Still free yeah. coffee. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, just just one one other brand, if I might, and again, maybe more of an obvious one, but Coca Cola um, is maybe the best example of a brand that makes you feel something. And this was actually something that um, uh, uh, someone at Samsung who was very influential in my understanding of, of brand and my love for brand they highlighted to me is what Coca Cola does is they sell fizzy sugar water. It's all they do. But they make you feel something when you see their brand, when you open that can. You're cracking a can of fizzy water, but yeah. it makes you feel something. They've, they kind of, they've owned happiness and they own this image of positivity. And it's kind of unbelievable how a brand that literally sells something that basic yeah. is so powerful in how much it evokes when you encounter that brand. And um, I saw a really good quote from someone recently. I, I don't know who it was, but I just, I just don't want to take any credit for the quote. It was yeah. um, the irrationality of brand love driving growth. And Coca-Cola is a great example of that. People love the Coca-Cola brand. Yep. Who knows why? As I say, they sell sugar water. And mm-hmm. so it's irrational, the love that you have for Coca-Cola. But it drives growth. It drives purchases because people just love the product. They love the brand. Apple, another great example. Yeah. Who cares? It's ridiculously expensive. People irrationally love that brand. And so they will buy their things. And um, yeah, so Coke, great example of a, of a company that can make you feel something about something that really you shouldn't feel anything about. Mm-hmm. I want to actually double tap on the Ikea example that you gave because you said like they kind of unapologetically own who they are and like they didn't hyper localize their content. And it really kind of reminds me of, um, again, a quote, I don't know the author of this, but it says, (laughs) don't change who you are, become more of who you are. Um, And I think that can really apply to growing a business. Like you don't have to hide, especially if you're a solopreneur or a personal brand, which is a lot of listeners of of this podcast, they think they sometimes have to be someone they're not in terms of creating their brand projecting something exactly but instead like just like ikea did like if you love a certain quirk about you and in ikea's case it's their origin story and they're proud of their heritage like it's okay to just own that and like Mm. run forward with that and make that a through line of your brand rather than trying to put on a facade or to try and change your brand for what you think people will like of you. I I just don't think that's a recipe for success ever. Like you just got to own it. And you know, I, I was browsing, um, 
a, a website the other day. I think it was for um, an email automation software. And the whole platform kind of had like a quirky look to it. And they make jokes. And um, I landed on one of their 404 redirect pages, like when you stumble on a website page that's broken. And even in the copy on that page, like it it had a joke and it was branded as like, sorry, we effed up basically with like a silly image of like a guy yeah. flat on his face in a pizza. And I just thought like, those are the little touches that, That's, yeah, really you know, good you, example. you could be really serious and think, okay, well, every page on my website has to be super serious and I just have to be polished. But if that's not who you are, if that's not your brand, don't feel like you have to just follow status quo or copy what everyone else who yeah. maybe is a more serious person, like that doesn't have to be 100%. you. And, um, yeah, I just love that you say like own who you are and like, bring that into your branding yeah. right and, and obviously own own it consistently is a, is a you know like you right know, you, you keep keep the the personality consistent but um yeah i think that's a great example is that kind of quirky 404 redirect message is because as you say that's some people might think right this is a technical error right professional serious yeah i have to help you solve your problem whereas in real life sometimes maybe you have to ask yourself how would i handle a little problem a little inconvenience yeah and just you know make don't be afraid to make light of it if that's if that's who you are if that's who your brand is um i think you know something that we do as a company when we're writing on or i like to think that we do <laughs> um on our website is like we kind of balance the the serious side of what we do like telling the story behind the the inspirations where we came where we you know came up with things from um the process that went into things but not being afraid to throw in um uh, you know a, a joke or a little bit of levity like it's not all like branding isn't the end of the world and we can't treat it as if it is <laughs> yeah. and so like don't be afraid to kind of throw throw light light-hearted references in there don't don't always feel like you have to project an image of professionalism if that's not who you really are if if authenticity comes through a little bit of light-heartedness and playfulness sometimes then then absolutely go with that so if I'm somebody who's starting my own business or I'm creating a company and I have no branding set up and I come to Fook, can you just like walk us through a little bit of the process of like, how do we even begin to work with you guys? How do you create a brand identity for our company? For sure. Um, so the, the, the first thing, obviously, we'll have a, a nice introductory conversation, get to know them a little bit. Um, but, but what we do as the kind of the main first step is run them through what we call a brand compass. And so that's where we will really deep dive into understanding, firstly, what your difference is as a company, like exactly what it is you offer, what your business offers, how you would articulate and distill that, that, that message and, and what you think you offer over maybe competition does. So some really surface level stuff there, but then we dig into things like what is your brand purpose? So beyond making money, maybe it isn't making money, but beyond the kind of the core function of what a business does, why are you doing it? Like, what is it that drives you? And then like, what is your brand ambition? Like both quantitatively, like, um, you know, you want to open three stores by the end of the year and qualitatively, like you want to be recognized across Canada by the end of 2025. And, and so we really deep dive into the purpose behind, behind a business, the story of, of the business, like where, where things came from, um, what, what the, the kind of your brand champion looks like. So if you imagine, uh, the person who works behind the genius bar at Apple would probably do that for no money. They are Apple's champion. So it's like, what does your champion look like? They might not be a real person yet, but what would you think the person that like carries the flag of your brand would look like? And so we really deep dive into purpose, 
why you exist, what it is that, that you believe that is your brand onlyness, we call it. So like, what is it that makes only you offer what you have? And, and what is that difference that we can really push? And once we really start to understand that, we ask a few, you know, what other brands inspire you from other industries so we get a sense for their tastes. And from there, we, we, we go away and, and we create a number of concepts um, inspired by what they've told us and, and the story. And, and we create an identity that we think tells that story and is true to, to, to who they are as a business and is authentic and honest and open. Um, we show those those concepts to, to our clients. They, you know, it, they, it might be the case that they want to tweak things. Um, we're, we're quite fortunate in that most of the time they end up having an awful choice between <laughs> concepts that they love, um, which is a nice a nice problem to have. Um, and so then, then they pick they pick a concept direction, and we'll build that out into a full brand manual or or, or a style guide. And that that then that brand manual will define. Um, how to use your logo, your color palette, your typography, the language that you use, and is the absolute foundation of every piece of marketing you produce. So if Fook doesn't make your marketing and you have to go and ask someone else to do it, you give them the brand manual and they understand exactly how they have to use your brand. So even if we're not handling it, everything is, consi is consistent. The colors are always the same. The typography is always the same. Logo, part, you know, if you're locking the logo up in partnership, there's a very specific way you have to use it. So your logo is always used correctly, colors always correctly. And um, yeah, you then you use that branding foundation, the brand identity that's contained in the brand manual, then the website grows from that. Your print designs grow from that. Everything grows from the same place and it just makes sure that um, consistency is basically baked into the brand. Mm -hmm. It sounds like such a, it's a foundational pillar, right? Like that is yeah. like one of the seeds you need to plant first before everything else can flourish in yeah. your marketing, right? And then, yeah, yeah. If, if, if after that, there's more marketing they want us to make, like it will, it will typically come after the brand manual when we've established who, who you are, what is your identity. And then from there, we'll make any other kind of marketing assets around that from, from that brand guideline or brand menu. Obviously there are tons of agencies or companies that can do branding for us. I'm curious from your own words, what makes Fook different? Um, I think, and I will allow myself to be slightly cocky for a moment. Go for it. You should be, <laughs> you <laughs> firstly, guys are awesome. <laughs> firstly, I think we're genuine. We, we're exceptional at what we do. I think we are, we are meticulous as well. We don't, we don't, go cut and paste cookie cutter approach, we will create something tailored entirely for what you tell us. Um, so we really listen, you know, like that's a big part of what we do. Um, we listen to what you've told us and what you want. Um, although what you want is sometimes not the same as what you need, but yeah, different conversation. Next um, time we podcast, we'll talk yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so that, that kind of that meticulous approach, but also the collaboration, like we don't just go away and create something and then present it to you. It's like, here you go. Like, I hope you enjoy it because you're stuck with it. If you don't, um, it's, it's really, um, a collaboration It's meant to be fun. You know, we, we like to have fun with our clients, you know, talk them through processes and get them involved the whole way through, always have that conversation, explain what we're thinking, why things have come, you know, have, we've come up with certain things and, and we're very honest and, and conversational with our clients as well. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, those are some, some big parts. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you guys have that advantage of having kind of this holistic team, right? It's like the equation one plus one equals three. It's like, yeah. it's not just one person who has their eyes on your brand. 
you all seem to come together in like this collaborative manner with very unique strengths and talents. And the outcome is like exponentially better because you get a whole team of advocates trying to create this for you. I think as well, that's pure luck that we met as a, as a, as a founding three that that we met um, was we've got Tia, who is an incredible designer. Michael is a genius behind the camera and I'm a decent writer. And so <laughs> I, I'm not, I can't use the, an adjective like that. But um, yeah, so, so we then really, you know, what, what we have between us is the fundamentals of visual communication. And we're all incredible, like we're very much on the same page with, with our tastes in, in design and in, in writing and, and mm-hmm. in, in what a brand and what branding should be. And, and so when we create a brand guideline or we create a brand identity, we're all already on the same page. And there's a constant dialogue between all of us. So like, Mm-hmm. If there is an image-based campaign, I, it, Michael won't go and you know gather imagery and come back and be like, "Here's the imagery." It's like yeah. I will speak to him about the message that we should be creating. Tia will will tell him, you know, this is the the space in the design it needs to occupy. So the design complements the imagery, complements the writing, and it, mm-hmm. you know, as you say, it's very very holistic. All comes together into something that, you know, everything, all the fundamentals of visual communication are pulling in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And I mean, first of all, I will say you guys released your first Fook Live, which was kind of a, I don't know, like, what would you call it? An introductory talk show. And it was all about the science behind branding, I guess is what you called it. Yes. And, you know, I said to you before we hit record that... I I just learned so much from watching that. And I'm going to watch it a second time because like, like you, I like to geek out on marketing and branding and kind of just some of the like the little details of why certain elements of a brand are created the way they are. And so I'm going to link that in the show notes. And if you have any, um, just inclination to learn more about Fook or about what Alex does, uh, for the listener, go watch Fook live. It was such a jam packed, uh, valuable 45 minutes. So I'm going to direct people there. But aside from that, where can people learn more about working with Fook or even if they just want to dive in to see some of the work that you guys have done? For sure. Um, so Instagram is a great place um, for, for kind of a, a quick glance over the projects that we we create. Um, so that's at Fook.com, F-O-O-K-C-O-M-M. Um, but then on the website, what, what we like to do on the website, if you go through any of the, the selected projects that we've put on there, um, so you know, things that we're kind of proudest of, we, we, we explain process in every single one. So it's like, why, why did we select the typeface for this brand? Why did we select the color palette for this brand? What was the story of the brand that inspired all of our decisions? We talk through all of that with every, with every project that we share. So if, you know, if, you're, if you're curious around that, the kind of process and the thought that goes into things that we create, you can have a little click around the, the projects that we've shared on the website as well. Amazing. And, you know, I'm keeping you guys in mind because I've been wanting to redo the branding of Visionary Inc. for so long. I've actually, you know, done all my own branding for the last five years, but I don't have any design background. So I'm like, <laughs> now I finally have the team I want to work with. <laughs> We'd love to. Let's get it going. Let's do oh, it. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, we'll keep that for a separate conversation. But thank you so much for no, coming on you. the Visionary Life podcast. I love hearing from you and your whole team. And, um, you know, I'm sure we could geek out on copywriting and marketing a whole lot more. Yeah, this, but this could go on for the rest of the afternoon. It could be. You don't mind. I don't meet too many people who like talking about this kind of stuff. So it's really fun to chat with you. So thank you yeah, for you being too. on the show. No, thank you. I hope it was a 
entertaining and somewhat useful. <laughs> of course it was. Thanks, Alex. Thank you very much. There you have it, my chat with Alex from Fook Communications. A few things I wanna go over from our conversation. So first, there's a difference between a brand and your branding. I know they sound the same, but they aren't. Many of you that are listening have a brand that exists, but I love how Alex explains why branding is the preferred path since it allows you to control the way that your dream clients perceive you. You control the story when you invest in branding, which really tempts me to want to hire Fook ASAP to do a total rebrand of Visionary Inc. The second thing I wanna double tap on is to talk like humans in our branding. Yes, that's right. You don't need to be an expert with words to write great copy. You just need to know how to relate to your dream clients. Speak to them in their language. Use words, phrases, and copy that connects with them. And then selling becomes easy. And the third thing is the difference between speaking up to an audience rather than talking down to them. Be aspirational, not degrading. I've never been a fan of rubbing salt in people's wounds or in talking to them like they're living on another planet. Treat them well and they'll do the same to you. So if you're still here, I just want to say thank you for listening. It means the world. And the fact that you got to the end of this episode means that you're a super, super fan. So if you want to connect with Fook, head over to fookcommunications.com. And of course, I always love connecting with you all over on Instagram. You can find me at Kelsey Rydell. And if you could please take a moment to either screenshot this episode and share it on your Instagram stories, or you could even leave a rating and review in the iTunes app, whatever you can do to spread your love of the show. I really appreciate it. It helps more visionaries like you to find our episodes. So until next week, I hope you have an incredible week and I will see you very, very soon. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis. So it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. Whenever you're ready, there's a couple of ways that I can support you. So first thing, if you're ready to make your first or next $50,000 in business, explore how the Visionary Method Business Coaching Experience can accelerate your growth. There'll be a link in the show notes. Also, if you're feeling lost, confused, or overwhelmed when it comes to starting an online business, reach out and book a free revision call with me. I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.